I mean, it was fantastic. I mean, it was fantastic. I'm an alumni. I graduated from South Carolina State in 1993. It's crazy. It's almost 30 years. But, I mean, it was fantastic because everybody, you know, thought we were going to get blown out. Um, you know, because Dion and uh, uh, the Jackson State Tigers have been getting a ton of press uh, since dion has been there the last couple of years. And that's fine and dandy. I like that because I think overall it's great for HBCU football, but because of our record, we were six and five, with the extenuating circumstances to that six and five that, you know, people not really paying attention didn't didn't know. And uh, because we were six and five and they had only lost one game all year, you know, we literally came in and shocked the world. Um, And so right now, uh, with the win yesterday, the SWAC um, is one and five against the MEAC in the Celebration Bowl. So, I mean, we own the SWAC. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. We own the swag. And it's, I mean, it's not disputable. We own the swag, bro. And so uh, it's just good to have bragging rights, man, to be able to talk trash. You know, the fact that we went in there, neutral field, uh, uh, national TV. I mean, big time press. It, it's, it's just a great feeling, man. It's a great feeling. I, you know, I played on the team. I, I, I'm not going to say I played. I was on the team one year when I was in college. And uh, so I love, you know, the South Carolina State Bulldog football team and the program. So I'm, I'm super happy, bro. I ain't going to lie, Doug. I had a whole bunch of jokes waiting on you when you came in. Because <laughs> I just knew we had to stay locked out. Because the last time me and you went at it was when South Carolina State uh, came down to Mumford Stadium, um, Southern University, my alma mater, uh, you know, where I played. And, and, and we got you guys by, ooh, by like that close. And I remember, man, coming on to your show, man, me and uh, Loose Neck clowned you about that a little bit. Right. So I had the jokes ready for Doug. I was like, man, if South Carolina State pulled this thing off, man, I covered the game yesterday. And uh, when South Carolina State went up 24-10, I was on the field and I looked up. I was like, man, if South Carolina State pulled this thing off, I said, well, Stu going to be a rare form tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I mean, not only did we win, but convincingly, if you throw out that first quarter, I'm, I'm going to tell you now, that first quarter, man, I didn't know what the hell was going on. But it seemed like after that first quarter, when Fields, the quarterback, settled down, man, the next three quarters, we pretty much dominated. The defense dominated. Um, I can't remember the punter's name. Like, the punter almost could have been the MVP for South Carolina State. Wow. Like, the field position he created with his punts, uh, he made a game – or not a game. He made a touchdown-saving tackle that if he didn't make that tackle on the on the uh, kick return – was it a kick – no, it was the punt return. Oh, if he didn't yeah. make that tackle, that really could have switched momentum. Right. Um, he made the tackle, though, and I think we stopped him. But, I mean, it, it was just uh, – we poured it on, man. We poured it on, and physically, like, we manhandled Jackson State, which nobody saw coming. Nobody. You know, Vegas had the thing, 11-point uh, spread. Have. Jackson State, you know, had 11 yeah. points. Was favored by 11 points. And so, to win the in the fashion that we did, representing the MEAC, because the MEAC's been through a lot over the last couple of years. Um, you know, everybody's going through covid the MEAC in one summer, <laughs> in one uh, one year, lost Bethune, lost FAMU, um, lost A&T. And right. so we down. That's that's the perception. We're down, you know? And I guess technically we are. But, man, we still got pride, bro. 
We got pride, yeah. and we're gonna come out there, and we're gonna hit. We're gonna we're gonna lay our hats into you, man. We're gonna we're gonna play with some pride. And this is the thing about it, Doug. They limited Jackson State to 194 yards total offense for the entire game. And me and Roy, we were talking about this before the show. I looked up and down the roster for South Carolina State. It's, it's mostly homegrown kids straight out of the state of hey South man, Carolina. I'm, I'm going to jump in here one second. I actually did that today as well because I think the last three years, we haven't had a budget in the athletic program to go out to send recruiters out of state so the cost involved with going out of state, hotel room, gas, you know, taking them out to dinner. I don't know. Whatever the cost is to recruit outside of state, we haven't done that. We have exclusively recruited in the state of South Carolina. We probably have 100 people on the roster. I just did this about two hours ago. We have about 100 people on the roster. We have four people from out of state. Four people on the entire roster, okay? Everybody else is South Carolina. So... The fact that we got four people out of state, I promise you those people probably came just because of film or because there was a, a relationship with the coach from those particular schools out of state. But, no, we have not left the borders of South Carolina to get our players. 98% of the players on that team are from the state of South Carolina. Amazing. And check this out. I count only five seniors. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I count only five yeah. seniors. Yeah, we we stacking up good, man. The Fields kid, once again, he scared me the first quarter, but he came from a small high school, a two A high school in Charleston, um, Holly, Hollywood, South Carolina, Baptist Hill High School. Went to the state championship. I don't think they won, but just solid, you know, solid. He's won that job. Really should have had the job as a freshman, but it's really come on, man. And he's got a very, very uh, big upside for the next two years that he's going to be in uniform for the for the Bulldogs. Man, another young man that I wanted to talk to you about, Jacoby Durant. Um, I, I talked about him last week. Uh, I don't know another way to put it. Uh, Jackson State, that first touchdown actually scored on Jacoby Durant. And after that, Jackson State went seven targets at Jacoby Durant for no, no completion, and he got a quarterback sack. And I think that young man won him. I think he made some money yesterday. Oh, absolutely. Well, I believe, and I'm not 100% sure, but I'm very, very sure He's already been invited to the Senior Bowl. Right. Um, he won Defensive Player of the Year in the MEAC, okay? As a cornerback, I mean, he's he's a lockdown corner, yeah. all right? So uh, he's going to play at the next level. Uh, the wide receiver, Shaq, uh, what's his name? Shaq Davis, I believe, okay. is going to play at the next level. He's definitely going to play at the next level. I don't know if those guys, um, we always put a lineman or two in. Um, I don't know if those guys are going to go high, but those guys are definitely going to play in the NFL. And we always have a couple of guys that seem like one, sometimes maybe two a year over the last decade or so under Buddy Pugh that have made it and had an impact in the league as well. Oh, man. Like I said, man, this – and you talk about Buddy Pugh before we move forward. Buddy Pugh, uh, 20 years at South Carolina State, eight conference titles. He's won multiple black college football national titles. And that pipeline from South Carolina State, you no, know, with Javon Hargrave, Darius Leonard, uh, you name it. From South Carolina State to the NFL, I think a lot of people slept on South Carolina State and what's going on up there at, uh, in, in Oberg that you guys got going. Absolutely. The best linebacker in football is Darius Leonard. I mean, it's not even a question. He's the highest paid middle linebacker in the league. He's also my chap, the bruh. He's the bruhs. And so if you watch this kid, man, I, I, it's crazy how they slept on him coming out of college. 
And I really think the only reason they did, he didn't go until I believe the third round was because he went to an HBCU. Um, so it's strange how that works because when I was in school, you probably remember when I was in school, I lined up against uh, Robin Porsche, who was a first round mm-hmm. pick. So it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, what we've been talking about over the last week with Dion getting the number one recruit in the country, uh, the Hunter kid to come to Jackson State. Uh, you know, there's this, this conversation about, you know, is the kid doing the right thing? Are, you know, four and five stars recruits doing themselves a disservice by going to an HBCU? Let me tell you something, man. If you can play, they're going to find you. And right. I'm a witness to it. Robin Porsche, man, I believe he had like 14, 15 sacks his last year at State, went in the late first round to the Detroit Lions. Uh, you know, so, I mean, bottom line, they're going to find you. If you can play, yeah. it really doesn't matter. Uh, they know how to judge talent, uh, you know, uh, uh, no, despite the, the, I guess, the gross amount of talent that you're playing against or playing with. They, the pros can determine if you can play at the next level and I just, I just love the uh, the direction right now of HBCU football. And, and Doug, one of the things I need to give you and your brother a shout out for, you've always talked about this. I mean, even, you know, when, you know, whatever platform you guys, you know, moved around, uh, was local radio, national radio, you have always advocated this. You know, you were one of the first guys to the party. They talked about, you know, our athletes coming back to HBCUs. For you to see that on, on Wednesday, man, how did that make you feel? Absolutely, man. I mean, it was fantastic. And you're right. We talked about this when we started the show in 2001. We were on radio for almost 12 years, and this was a constant conversation. I actually tried, when my brother came out of college, he ended up going to Georgia Tech. I actually tried to get him to go to South Carolina State. Um, And I told him at that time, listen, if you can play, you can play. But he came on a recruiting visit here in Atlanta, and they took him to Magic City, and the rest is over. Okay. (laughs) Um, But that being said, man, uh, there's many times that I've talked about this on Stu's on my podcast that I did for almost four years um, and that I have documented in post on social media. Like all it all it needs to happen for this thing to turn around is four or five, five stars come together, kind of like what the Fab Five did in basketball mm-hmm. and say, hey, let's go to this school. OK, if you can get five of the top 10 recruits in the country to come home, quote, come home and play for an HBCU and they dominate. Um, if, if they if they were to be able to get into the FCS playoffs and win the FCS playoffs, you know, it would be, it'd be like a domino effect. I think it's a lot easier to do in basketball because mm-hmm. literally if the Fab Five said, we're going to all go play for Central State, okay, in Ohio, or we're going to all go play for Norfolk State or whatever, the MEAC has an automatic bid, okay, to the tournament, okay? So if the, if the five best players in high school basketball, they meet together at McDonald's All-American game in a, in a hotel room, and they're like, this shocked the world. Let's all go to Norfolk State. If they go to Norfolk State, dominate, they'll probably go undefeated. They're going to get an automatic bid to the tournament. And the Fab Five, in, in that same scenario, they would have made it to the tournament and probably still done the same things that they did you know, almost 25 years ago, okay? Right. So I really believe it. And, and also right now what's going on, the the whole mindset has shifted. I, I, someone I argued with the other day on social media, well, Dion's trying to get these kids to go to an HBCU. He didn't do it. He went to Florida State. Hey, times are different now. 
Right. The landscape has changed. Okay. These kids are coming around. I really believe this. This is just my opinion. These kids are coming around in a in a atmosphere where over the last couple of years we've seen civil unrest. We've seen, you know, black men murdered on video. Um, we've seen people murder black people and you know, not do any time or not found guilty, even though we've had a pretty good run of, uh, of guilty verdicts over the last six months. Um, but these kids' mindset now are, they kind of understand, we've always said this, but they kind of understand, for the most part, these folks at these PWIs, they don't, they really don't care about us. You right. know what I'm saying? They really mm-hmm. don't care about us. All they care about is the fact that we can run and jump and make them money. Now you got the NIL coming into place where that can kind of offset the fact that they're losing, uh, I guess, lifestyle and money to a degree and going to PWI is kind of leveling the playing field. And so right. I think we're going to see a lot more of this, man. I, I really do believe we're going to see a lot more of this. Will it ever get to a point where we'll, we'll say, you know, HBCU has good enough talent to beat, you know, the, the blue chip teams, you know, the Florida States or the Michigans or the Alabamas? The Georgias, maybe not, but I like the uh, the atmosphere right now with college football and for HBCUs. I love it. Oh, yeah, man, absolutely. And, and before I let you go, Doug, man, first of all, I guess I want to thank you uh, for, for coming out. One of the things I always liked about your show, you always created um, a family atmosphere. Like, you know, I feel like all the stories we knew each other was, you know, Tiffany, you know, Loose Neck, you know, Uncle Vern. Right. Uh, you know, everybody, you, you created that family uh atmosphere uh you and ryan man I, man you guys together man guys admit if you if you never checked out the stew i mean i still go back to what you got if you ain't stewing then what the hell are you doing <laughs> right uh, right and 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 just man just talk about man just how was that ride man you guys to me still have the best show in the history of this thing we call sports talk radio man just tell me man how how was that ride uh you know that that you took us on i mean man it it was fantastic I mean, it's, we're so far removed right now. I think our last show was in 2011 or something like that, man. Wow. Um, so, I mean, we're so far removed. But I'm going to tell you, man, like that whole family atmosphere, the doghouse theme, and all of the little things that we did, we didn't want to have like the, you know, quote, unquote, typical sports talk show. We wanted to make it more where we were talking about uh, hip-hop culture, entertainment, you know, uh, trivia. I mean, we did a lot of things outside of the norm of just talking about stats and sports because I, it's crazy because I used to listen to AM radio at my corporate job for many, many years. And I used to listen to sports talk radio. You know, I didn't like intend to go in there. I didn't have like a favorite per se, but I just knew that those shows were real whack to me. I mean, they were just boring. (laughs) You know, how much can you talk about stats? And also back then sports talk radio was really mostly centered around baseball talk mm-hmm. and uh that's baseball is boring in itself i love i like baseball but to talk about baseball is uh you know it's tough okay and so we just wanted to have fun we wanted to crack jokes the fact that me and my brother both played sports at a you know at a high level he played nfl uh, football for five years i played two years of college football so we just wanted to you know come from an athlete's perspective and we were just not lame like everybody else. <laughs> I, I just think that we just kept the real, man. And, you know, ultimately, I think that um, 
we've been alienated from the industry. It's a lot. It's very political, bro. I can't even start to tell you. I keep saying at one time, at, at, at some point, we're going to write a book. But very political, man. And uh, I'll just say this. We dominated um, numbers-wise for 11 years in a row. I mean, they're documented in Arbitron. Right. <laughs> I'm not, not by a little bit that we went our time slot or we had better numbers than the other shows in our station. We dominated. And I mean, right. it's, in, it's in black and white. You can go and find the information right now. And so the fact that we, uh, you know, for whatever reasons, man, and I, I have an idea about a lot of why, um, but for whatever reasons, we never got back on, you know, despite what we did numbers wise and uh, and marketing wise. It's very disappointing, but it is what it is, man. We had a great run. I mean, hell, I tell people all the time, even Martin came to an end, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, the greatest TV shows in the history of the world have come to an end. And so we had a great run, made a lot of good money, uh, saw a lot of good times. You know, uh, the thing I miss most, man, is the Vegas trips. We used to go to Vegas like at least two, three times a year for whatever prize fight, that, that big prize fight that was going on. So stuff like that. We went to the Super Bowl every year for mm-hmm. like 10 years in a row. We were had a prime real estate and had all of the best guests on Radio Row. So, I mean, we got a story to tell, bro. It was a fantastic ride, man, and came to an end. But once again, um, we blessed. Trust me, we man. blessed. Both me and my brother are blessed. Family and everything. We got our health. We good to go. We, we good, folk. Oh, man. And one thing, this is how powerful that show was. I didn't live in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, until two years ago. I knew who the students was. I remember being in college. And you guys were on when we had practice, right? Right. So, you know, before I left the apartment, I would put a cassette tape in the radio, get you guys on and hit record so I could listen for, uh, you know, listen to you guys. And this is me listening from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Wow. Uh, you know what I mean? So uh, that was the impact. I remember when you guys went off, because I mean, you guys were um, sporting news radio, and you guys went off. Man, I found Spreaker, and man, it was like right there, man. Like we back, you know, with Spreaker and right. uh, kicking it with TC and the whole the, the X squad, right, right, uh, with everything, man. But like I said, for me, man, I always considered you, uh, like you know, my uncle in this, man. Because when I came to you, I said, hey, "Mama came to you once." I said, "Man, Doug's gonna know me from a can of paint." But I said, "Look, man, I'm trying to try to jump into this, man. What I need to do, and the number one thing you said, man, is be yourself. Yeah, he's like they gonna love you or hate you." Right. Um, and, and and luckily, man, it, it's it's worked out well. It's going well uh, for me. And, and like to have you on, man, to see how your nephew has grown up. Yeah. Man, I appreciate it. Man, no problem, man. I uh, I, I really, man, really, really am happy about you know so many shows that have come from our show. I mean, there's probably been 25 shows come from our show, and you know, listening to me on my podcast and deciding to jump on the Spreaker platform. And do their own podcast. So, man, uh, very humbled. Um, keep doing what you're doing. And, I mean, anybody that asks me about advice in this business, man, I'll, I tell them pretty much the same thing I told you. Just be yourself. Have fun with it and everything else to take care of itself. But I don't have a problem talking to anybody, man, because I know that this thing is like a fraternity, man. And, you know, truthfully, your boys came in in the back door. You know, I don't think that they ever thought in a million years we would have done the things and uh, gained the success that we did. I, I don't think, no, I, I know it. I know they never thought in a million years that we would have gotten as big as we did, but we did it. But I know that there's like a fraternity thing, man. And, um, 
you know, it's very clickish. All right. They're going to put their boys on dudes that they know they play golf with or went to college with or grew up with. If you look at uh, some of the sports talk stations, there's a connection, a personal connection between all of the hosts. It's most of the time it's not a situation where um, somebody comes on and interviews or does uh, pilot shows or whatever and are judged and they take the best person. No, it's because somebody knows somebody that knows somebody. And at the time when we started, when we got voted, and I'm done, and I'm gonna leave you alone. But it's just it's just reminiscing. When we got voted best sports talk show in America, and I believe 2005. Okay, keep in mind every state or every city, major city, has mm-hmm. at least one sports talk show. Some cities have at least two. Okay, so you do the math. How many cities there are? How many have one or two sports talk shows? At that time in 2005. We were the only all-black sports talk show in America. 2005, bro, okay? That's, that's right. not that long ago. And so um, I understand, man, it's very political. So I, I root for y'all, man. I root for people trying to, trying to get an audience and, uh, and, and, and uh, you know, fine-tune their craft. So, so much respect to y'all, bro, and good luck in, in all your endeavors. Man, I appreciate you, Doug. Man, like I said, man, it was an honor, man, and – Man, I remember you, man, talking about the Puppet Factory. You guys will know that's still another <laughs> yeah. network, the Puppet Factory. Uh, man, but, man, man, so many memories, you know, for me, man, of you um, and Ryan. My dream one day, someday in the future, to get you and Ryan. Uh, oh, man, I know Ryan is, is, is moved down to Columbus. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. doing this thing, man. And But, man, just thank you for coming uh, for coming on, man. Trust me, I'm – I, I, words can't explain it, man. You're one of the guys I look to look up to in this business. Man, I appreciate it, bro. Thank you very much. All right, man. Thanks, you, man. That's Doug Stewart, man. We're going to run uh, to break, man. That was Doug Stewart, man. Realist Trillers, that's him right there, man. Uh, back on the other side, man. We'll go uh, dive into this ball game. South Carolina State, Jackson State, coming up next. Nope. Nope. Come on, him? Ooh, I like him. The quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com.
200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From a national memorial for peace and justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. This is Carlos Brown, letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Carlos Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. Online at www.mybcsn.net. And on the BCSN app, available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working. <laughs> ever not working. Never, ever not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield, never not working. head and shoulder scalp shield technology protects against flakes even between washes it's never not working kind of like us number 15 never not working i don't like this one me neither let's get out of here head and shoulder scalp shield never not working from not Shout out to Doug Stewart, man, coming in. One half of the world now, two live stools. And we move forward. Now, we got the doctor, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the dean of Black College Sports Talk. How you doing, Doc? I'm pretty good, man. I don't know how you're going to bring me on after the two live stools, Doug, man. That was great. That was serious. That was great interview. Oh, man. Appreciate it, Doc. Doc, a lot of conversation. Uh, today, you know, we're coming off the ball game yesterday, South Carolina State, uh, defeating Jackson State by a score of 31 to 10. Um, South Carolina State wins the Celebration Bowl. Uh, a lot of books win the Black College Football National Championship for the 2021 season. But there was a debate created, Doc. There was a debate cre- uh, created today. I mean, how do you have this sporting thing without a little bit of controversy? And we got a little bit. Uh, NCAA posted uh, some blog, some person named Florida A&M 2021 HBCU National Championship. And, of course, they got people into a tizzy. And you've had debates all day about, hey, what's going on, you know, this, that, and the other. But one of the things that, you know, I wanted people to understand is how the Black College Football National Champion, how that's been crowned historically, how that ties into the classic games we see now in different portions of the United States and 
where we are now, because I'm a firm believer, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know, you don't know where you are, if you don't know where, you, where you've been. And that's why I brought you on, Doc. So break it down to the people, man, so they can understand kind of what's going on with this thing. Hey, Doc, first, first one's the you know com. But I need to give God to the South Bulldog, Ruddy Pew, and the real alumni and some of the MEAC that really supported them, not them bandwagon folks that's talking late, but the real folks that's out there. Shout out to them, Championship Cigar. You know, you got one this morning as you as yep. I left Atlanta. Appreciate the hospitality. All of y'all down there did it right. But when we get into this, the first thing I will say is, yeah, it gets everybody into tizzy. In a lot of ways, this is going to be some of the best marketing that could ever happen to HBCU sports. Uh, brand awareness of HBCU, especially at the FCS level. Um, just think about this. Think about what this is going to do to the MEAC coming in the next year. The MEAC SWAC Challenge, uh, the football season, how competitive that race is going to be, and everybody's interests are going to. Think about what this is going to do to the Orange Blossom Classic, and I'm getting historical footprint of that with FAMU and Jackson State. Jackson State beats FAMU this year. They go in and have a chance to win a Black College Championship. And by the names FAMU, the champion, and probably be multiple publications that are going to name FAMU. Probably going to be multiple publications that's going to name Jackson State. Probably a couple of multiple frameworks they're going to do South Carolina State. And I do not want to leave out Bowie State. There's probably going to be some as the mid-major or a different Division II level that will name them. And some of them might even name them overall. And the reason I bring all that up is when you go to the history, and I wrote about this in this book, academic book, but I also want to give a shout out to Brian Simpkins of HBCU Game Day back in 2019, December 27 to be exact. He had an article called Part One, The Long Complicated History of Choosing an HBCU National Champion. He did a really good job looking at that first 100 some years, if you would, about HBCU history. Um, as you allude to, why is that important? Well, regardless of ethnic group, black college football, HBCU football, as we call it today, or what some people would call the mainstream, obviously at that time, uh, white college football, because it was separate. They all mm -hmm. named national champions by the newspapers. The newspapers would name a national champion. And you got to go back in your history and understand at that time, newspapers, for the most part, were regional, mm -hmm. if not local. It is not until the modern era that we think about USA Today and how you can get some of these largest newspapers across the country. And at this point, a lot of this stuff is over the Internet. So you really can get it at a click of a dot. But at that time, it was really regional. Right. Now, at some point, you would get what would become a, some would say even international paper, but certainly a national paper in the Pittsburgh Courier. They had an opportunity, they created two things, an all-American list, which at that time, the nomenclature that was used was either colored or Negro, also named a black college champion, starting in 1920 with the Pittsburgh Courier. 
And so it was obviously out of the Pittsburgh area, regional, but it had the largest syndication articles and sent articles around the country, either by wire or you could get the paper next day, sometimes two or three days, ultimately some cases even a week later, to let you know, make sure you get in your mindset of what was happening. But you also have local newspapers in major markets. You had the Houston Defender for those in the Houston area. You had the Atlanta um, paper that was in there. Um, you had a uh, Dallas Enforcer, right? And so you had all these papers um, that would write about the HBCU football program in the area. And they would write about conferences, CIAA, SIC as we know them today, the SWAC, the Spider coming to conference until 1970. So you got a lot of time, 1920 up to that. At a conference, Midwestern Conference, that had teams such as Grambling State, Jackson State, Tennessee a and Texas Southern, before all those teams except for Tennessee State, joined the SWAC. But as you would have it, it's intriguing, all this is about marketing in the business. People mm-hmm. know what? Sell newspapers. They wanted to sell newspapers and they knew there was an appetite, insatiable appetite in the African-American and Black community that wanted to know about their sports and people that look like them. And if it wasn't pro, these individual sports such as boxing, cycling, even at some time, race horsing for the jobs that were on, right? Track and field. One of the big the baseball, the Negro Leagues, one of the biggest things going at the time were HBC sports, mainly Football, later basketball, or what they would call the key or the black fives, right? And so when all this came around, the coaches were smart too. So the first six, seven years of the black college being named, most of the chances were in the – we still talk about this East Coast bias. How about that? Mm-hmm. How history reincarnates itself, right? So at that time – Howard University, where some of the reasons they finally got some time where you sneak in in Tuskegee, how they had those landmark coming out of Alabama. I know you talk, know about those Tuskegee teams, right, in terms of what they would get done. It's legendary coaches over those period of time. Um, I mean, I, and so if you think about it, all those schools, though, were private schools, whether it was Howard, Talladega, even though it's in Alabama, um, Hampton, Wiley College to come all the way to Texas. Paul Quinn got, got in the mix there, also out of Texas. And all those teams were CIAA or Southwestern LA Conference. You really didn't get your first public school in the championship until 1927. Bluefield State out of West Virginia that we know now, right? Uh, it didn't get back into uh, another public school until the Midwest, which is 1933 with Kentucky State, when you think about it. So what did some of these schools do? Legendary coaches such as Gate, Gate, Jake Gaither out of FAMU to tie in that loose hole. Um, many folks that really know about HBCU sports will know about Billy Nicks and Prairie View and how they dominated at the time. They came up with their own bowl game, Prairie View Bowl. It's so historic. It's the second oldest bowl game when you start looking at the time it was finally behind the Rose Bowl. That's how inventive these coaches were. And they wanted their players to have their star, and they wanted the recognition for institutions so they could recruit, get more students there, make more money, right? Marketing. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They created their own bowl games, and essentially what they would do is they would go find the next best team in the area and region that would be willing to come to them and play. So you had a Prairie View Bowl in 1929. A couple of years later, less than five years later, you have the Orange Blossom Classic in 1933. And they would bring in teams to play. And you had other little bowl games or classic games similar to this at the end of the year. Most of these games were like January, New Year's time frame. And whoever win the game, a lot of the local newspapers would crown the winner the champ. Not too much different than what's happening now. So if it's ESPN, they are the big bullies. It's basically a marketing company, storytelling company, news agency. They create a bowl game, put all the money in. They say, we're going to take two teams. Basically, it's a one-game playoff between two conferences. Whoever wins is the champion. But the difference is, is you still have posters that hold on to the historical part of it. And now we have multiple organizations that name a black college champion instead of just a newspaper or four or five newspapers across the country. Now we have these independent black owned for the most part um, agencies, corporations, if you would, a small that name a black college champion. We'll do ours on Tuesday. You have BCSN, Brian and AD do one earlier before your show. Mm-hmm. You had the NCA do one. You had, again, the Celebration Bowl, de facto ESPN undefeated. That arm of the organization, they did theirs. And you have multiple ones that come out about that. But that's a little bit of the history to tie in the backside of this and how, in a lot of ways, it's not really different than what's going on now. And you still have folks from institutions that may be smaller whether it was private and in public or whether it was Southern regional schools mad at the East Coast bias, or you have SWAC schools mad that they're not getting the attention that the SIC is getting from the different newspapers around there. So they would call, carry favor, and try to negotiate however they could to make sure that they would get all this. And then, obviously, uh, we can tie it in a little bit as you go forward with Grambling State and what they did uh, by the trumpet, triumphant, as you know, uh, all of them come together and really understanding of how you market and sh- take your brand all over the country in such a way. So that's a lot of the history in terms of what took place. Yeah, man, because, you know, you know, what's one of the things, you know, I, I try to tell, explain to someone, I think in, in this society, um, especially, you remember we used to get split national champions all the time at the FBS level, um, even got one in 2004, USC um, and LSU. I think in today's microwave society, we, we want consensus. You know, we want it just flat out. We just, just who is it? Uh, and I think that a lot of people want that, but not really understanding the steps and the processes that it took, even at the FBS level, um, to get to, to, to get to that, you know, to get to that process, to get to where we are now. Um, and I think a lot of people don't understand that it's very rarely in HBCU football. There's been a few times where we've had a consensus HBCU football national champion. It's what I'm saying. It just doesn't happen um, often with all of the, the publications. But I will say, when you look at Jackson State on yesterday, they had an opportunity on yesterday to be the first consensus uh, national champion since North Carolina A&T in 2017. Oh, I agree, no doubt about 
uh, if they won it, I can't see anybody else who wouldn't have crowned the champion. And that's a lot of ways why ESPN came up in the morning and called it a championship game. Because mm-hmm. everybody in the world, just other than those South Carolina true blue fans, and even some of them, if they if you could get the truth serum, they would have admitted that um, they were trying to find ways they can keep it close and maybe steal the game um, mm-hmm. from their purpose. But very few of them thought they were really going to win that game. Again, credit to them. They got it done on the field and uh, won it going away in a lot of ways. But, yes, Jackson State um, was looked at that if they win it, they would pretty much be a consistent champion across the board out of all the different polls out there that provides a ranking. So that's why you play the game on the field. But I would like to add this part of the history just so people understand that even when we do this, bowl games and even whether you're talking about NEI or NCAA or professional playoffs, all that is just a marketing framework of how to make more money. What is so special about a playoff opposed to the regular season. If you really ask most folks, most folks would tell you uh, the greatest measure of a great team would be over some extended period of time, which would be the regular season. Mm-hmm. Postseason came about basically out of baseball first. It's owners, um, and I do not necessarily like using that term, but those executives um, that were in executive leadership roles over those franchises, wanted to find a way to make more money. They had great season and made a lot of money, and they were like, how do we replicate this? And they were in there, and they talked about it and said, well, let's start over. They said, what do you mean? Let's have a postseason. We'll pick a certain amount of teams uh, from the regular season, and then we'll let them play off over a set of period of time, and we will call them champions. And that's all postseason is. It is extenuation in another way to find a way to market a sport in such a way to lather up fans mm-hmm. so they can get excited about it again. And I'm not saying anything wrong with it. I just want people to understand. So whether it's a bowl game or it's a playoffs, all of it in some way is man-made in terms of how to market to a fan base and excite them about crowning a champion. Speaking of excited fan bases, Doc, this week you spent some time in, in, um, here in Atlanta, Georgia. Have you seen, and, and it takes, I have to go back and think about it, have you seen a fan base that was as confident coming into Atlanta as the Jackson State fan base then to turn around to lose in the fashion, not lose the ball game, because you know, we talk about 24-23 game and, you know, we go to overtime, you know, one of those. What a twenty-one point loss, Doc. Have you have you seen one of these? I can't think of one. No, you would have to go in the channels of the history book. You'd probably have to go into something like maybe the Heritage Bowl, uh, back when FAMU, Howard, and Southern were playing in the games. But even most of those games, I think, for the most part, were close. I think there were one or two games that got away uh, in that matchup, and so you probably have to go to the previous incarnation of a postseason bowl game between the NBA SWAT to see something like this take place. Um, So, no, it's been a long time where you see a a fan base that came in with that level of confidence. And to the point, as Doug Stu talked about, is part of that was because of the opponent and what you looked at the – there's record at six and five. And let's be realistic. If you look at a six and five, you don't see that team as very good. 
Mm-hmm. But if you take some time and you're not just following your team, and that's just everybody has this bias except for us in the media. And even sometimes if we're not careful, we fall into it. But if you really look at um, South Carolina State's conference schedule, you know they played two of the FBS programs versus mm-hmm. the other teams, FAMU, Jackson State, if we're talking about those teams that were at the top pretty much. Um, they played one FBS program. And they played a Division II program. South Carolina didn't play a Division II program. Let's say you take one more win, whether it's A&T or close when they lost when the quarterback got hurt. You could easily add three wins to that schedule if you do a different scheduling model. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And then you do it like that, and then all of a sudden, that six and five goes to a nine and two record, which gives you a whole different disposition of a team that's coming in there. Now they are what they record says they are, but I'm just saying, if you look a little deeper into it, you can see how um, a record can create a different framework of a team uh, in a championship game. Right. And, and the, the closest I can think about 1998, Southern university plays Hampton university in the heritage bowl. Uh, Southern pretty handedly. Handily that year in the Circle City Classic up in Indianapolis. Uh, Southern comes off of that uh, uh, SWAT championship game against uh, Jackson State, gets out of it, and Hampton was just supposed to – Hampton was there because they just had to be there, all right? It was supposed to be a coronation, you know, another black college football national championship for, for Southern and head coach Pete Richardson, and it was anything but uh, once the Jaguars got here to Atlanta – that's the last time I can remember um, a favorite, a double-digit favorite, um, loses by double digits. Yeah, great point when you bring it in. And that was another one of those cases where, you know, a record was kind of conceiving when you think about it. But they happened to be the third team that was seeded out of the MEAC because the other teams Mm -hmm. got in the playoff. And you had an infamous framework that somebody put out there that wasn't meant to be said like that but it was taken in a lot of ways in terms of the third ranked team <laughs> yeah and so you know it doesn't take much to get that bulletin board material to get um coaches to be able to get some talking points and there's also the unique thing that the swag happens to be in the southern region where football is really um something that everybody takes serious you know you hear the old quotes by chaos i'm talking about this religion you know, <laughs> from that uh, quote, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And so in a lot of ways, you got a lot of energy towards the SWAT in terms of the way it's marketed and branded, whether it's the bands and the whole festivity tailgate. And then obviously you add in expansion with fam, you and Bethune-Cookman, you add in Coach Prime coming in there, and you just had a lot of lather about the SWAT, rightfully so, in terms of what they did. But that means somebody else is not necessarily getting that same type of shine. And that's also a way that a lot of folks will focus more on the SWAC, not because they're trying to be disrespectful of another conference, but for the fact that the energy is there and it obviously. Being a lot more focused on teams out of there. And the buildup is naturally inclined to football where you have week after week matchups and then you have this conference shrining in a championship game. And then after that, you have the bowl game. So it's perfectly set up to get a lot of this um, notice when the MEAC is not quite done in the same manner. 
we talk about this year's doc, the hundredth, uh, really one on one, but this is the this is the year that this this way really celebrated its one hundred years because of COVID last year. Looking back at this football season, could could the sweat had drawn it out any better to celebrate one hundred years? No, not really. I mean, other than the, the Prairie View taking care of their business and they were on that streak where they were basically at uh, what six and zero in the conference race and things kind of fell apart. Other than finishing off and going eight and zero, so you had two undefeated teams in there. And obviously, with whoever winning that game, in case this case, Jackson State finding a way to win it and get it done in the Celebration Bowl. To me, those are the only two things that could have slightly taken it up a notch. But really, with everything else, nah, it, it couldn't be in any more um, spectacular than it was, other than maybe you doing a, a format, and this is going to drive some people crazy because I don't believe in it. But if you had a different format where the two top record teams played each other like you see in the in the um, Big 12, uh, where you had a rematch for a championship game between Jackson State and Fam, you, that would have been uh, another highlight to the season. Mm-hmm. But no, for the most part, you can put little pins and needles in there if you wouldn't pick out some things. But a hundred year history celebration, boy, I'm telling you, um, SWAT is really in a good position in terms of what they have going forward. Um, now they just got to find a way to get it done in the MEAC Swag Challenge the Celebration Bowl against MEAC uh, a couple more times than what they did in the last four years. Don, for those who have not attended the Celebration Bowl yet, uh, first of all, I want to know what you're waiting on. Um, but second, man, I would say, man, there's nothing like the Celebration Bowl to see uh, your brothers and sisters in media that you you see but you don't see. It's, it's that weekend that everyone comes together. Man, you saw shirts from North Carolina A&T, the Spellman, the Howard, the, you know, Tuskegee, you have, you just, just everyone. Uh, this Celebration Bowl, man, has really grown into something very special. And just, just, just give me your take on the Celebration Bowl, man, and just how it's grown, though. Yeah, I mean, it's something special. They try to put all these different nicknames on it, you know, the Celebration Bowl, the Super Bowl, Black Super Bowl, Black College Super Bowl, if you would, um, National Championship game. But really, when you talk about long story, historical games of significance, you have to go back, obviously, uh, to CIAA basketball tournament, mm-hmm. um, the Southern Heritage Classic, the Magic City Classic, right? The Bayou Classic, the Florida Classic. To me, it's similar to those games, except for those games, while they have a lot of fans that have hooked on it and, and go with those, they're unique because they tend to be state induced rivalry classic in, in terms of the Southern Heritage Classic, obviously you got bi-coastal states in terms of what that looks like. Um, but two rabid fans with a uh, fan base with a lot of history, even with a coach that coached the coach institution that won national championship when you're talking about the Southern Heritage Classic. Uh, but to me, that's what you have in this. It just features two conferences, a perfect place in terms of Atlanta, which has a huge significant uh, black population, huge cultural relevance there. A lot of attention in terms of black college football, even though it's out of the SIC. But then you have so many HBCU fans and alumni bases from both the MIAC and the SWAC and others, For to be uh, frank with you. It is a perfect location with a rich history, a rich culture. Um, and now you see that um, credit to ESPN uh, as 
whatever you may think about them in terms of the celebration, but well, executive jo- doctor, executive director, I should say, John Grant, um, commissioners, Charles McCullen, Dr. Charles McCullen, as well as Dr. Dennis Thomas, as he is moving on, the emphasis that they have put in there, because now they have brought all the ADs, so they had the ADs meetings there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the SWAC Hall of Fame there. And so you have so many additional activities with a lot of dignitaries there, a lot of presidents coming in for their president's meeting. So it is the happening space, whether you're just there to see the game or you're there to renew your energy um, or if you're there to celebrate and take care of business. Um, it's nothing like it. it is now a bucket list thing that you need to do. And some people I'm hearing so much, um, even like you've heard with the CIAA, when a lot of schools had left, quote unquote, the CIAA going into the MEAC, um, mm-hmm. a lot of their fan bases would make plans to go to the CIAA just because they love the culture and the reunion piece. You start right. to hear that about the celebration boat, regardless uh, if your team is in the game, regardless if you are a member of one of the conferences, a lot of people still want to go see this black mecca of excellence that celebrates the culture of HBCU sports through a football game that actually has also a significant battle of the band. So you put all that together, it's a great place to be. Yeah, and yesterday, man, I saw a lot of A&T people in the crowd yesterday, Hampton, Tennessee State, you know, those those schools who are not members of the SWAC or, or MEAC. And, and it was refreshing uh, to see that. I talked to someone from A&T, man, and, and one thing he said, man, we got to find a way to get back in this thing, man. And he, I mean, he just shook his head. He said, man, we got to find a way uh, to get back in this thing. And I remember when, when I heard that. I heard that, too. I thought that was fascinating of how many A&T – because, you know, on your chat boards, you get that concentrated – uh, emphasis mm-hmm. of folks that excited they moved on or whatever but you talk to like really those that are into it and and those in the culture that go to these games a different mm-hmm. whole different framework so i'm glad that you brought that up and then also giving credit to ciaa yeah. um the siec more house uh, tuskegee mm-hmm. uh, you've seen all those institutions that are also talking about they got to find a way to either join the swag <laughs> yeah, or uh, yeah, because they want a part of it too. So it's fascinating to see just how much interest this is. And I think the way this ended actually is going to breathe even more life into this game. It's going to be more important for teams to get in here. Think about Norfolk State, how close they thought they were to being here. Uh, North Carolina Central, they've been before, they were relatively close in terms of maybe one game in a overtime game going a different way that they could have make an argument that they're back in the game in this game. Fam you, they get an extra field goal. Southern, a couple of key stops here and there. I think they in there. You want to believe that Alcorn doesn't believe they are supposed to get back. You see, right. Bramley made a coaching change. Um, and so Prairie View was this close to believing they should yep. be. They thinking a couple of passes here and there that they, would have stamped their ticket. And I know for a fact that you had Prairie View folks, just like Jackson State fans that booked their <laughs> hotels. You had Prairie View mm-hmm. folks that booked their hotels and flights and just cancel them. Some of them came anyway. So, no, this thing is just going to continue to get bigger and better. Uh, the interest there, it was a full day of pageantry on national networks in terms of ESPN and ABC, where they dedicated a lot of time and energy 
where a lot of folks were looking and saying, man, that's that's pretty nice. They want to be a part of it, which is a great thing. Right. And I, and I, and I think, you know, that was just the coolest part about it, man, getting off the train, man. I wrote the martyr, uh, the martyr up, getting off the train, man, and just seeing just the, the tailgate and the, the vendors and everybody was out. And, uh, man, you, you felt the energy, man, ran into Spice Adams. I uh, had an opportunity to meet Bill Roden yesterday, who was an icon in, in, in my book. I just had I didn't get a chance to take a picture with him. Uh, but, you know, got a chance to really talk to Dennis Thomas, you know, commissioner of the MEAC, as well as uh, the chairman uh, of the Celebration Bowl. Man, it was, I mean, yesterday, man, it, it, it was just amazing uh, to see. And, man, like I said, if you haven't gone to a Celebration Bowl, man, put this on your to-do list every year. That may not matter if your team mixed it or not, because it's exactly what it says, a celebration bowl, a celebration of HBCU football, HBCU culture, and what we are. So, man, put that on your to-do list. And that's what I would suggest to anybody who's listening to me right now. Oh, I couldn't agree more. That's exactly right. You know, I haven't missed one. Don't plan to miss one uh, with everything going on. Um, it's just something in there. In fact, I do it as an extended state. You know, I get there Wednesday. I go through pretty much all the events. I might pick out some that I go to uh, for the full-time or part-time. Um, in between, whether you're at the Hilton with the SWAC, you're at the Marriott with the MEAC or at the Omni mm-hmm. where you have uh, most of the dignitaries floating between those spots. And then obviously you have other places there, but uh, people being in there, being in those uh, hallways uh, with folks, uh, just talking about the spirit and culture of the institution, seeing friends they had saw before in a long time i guess the only other thing i can add to it that is similar that i didn't talk about as a homecoming it's starting to get that type of vibe where it's becoming a homecoming where you have different folks that plan to meet mm-hmm. in atlanta for the celebration bowl and they probably hadn't seen each other since their last homecoming so, right <laughs> right and and doc we we you had an announcement yesterday you know we, we knew about it with this ball game here i'm already looking forward to uh, 2022. But this one right here. Oh, you can't see it. Uh, you can see it from there. Alabama State and Howard. Yep. Uh, that game's going to kick off uh, Saturday, August 27th, uh, right here in Atlanta. I'm already counting down, man. I'm already counting down, man. We 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 are uh, uh, a little under nine months away from from that ball game, and I'm already counting down, man. And we'll be right back here in Atlanta to kick it off. Uh, once again, in 2022, the MEAC Swag Challenge, the Bison of Howard, who had an amazing signing day, six three stars for Howard, um, son of Edger and James, uh, you know, going up there. They they did well, and and at Alabama State, the Hornets, bringing them a new regime with, with head coach Ed Robinson. Uh, that game will be here before you know it. Um, it feels like this thing is a, is a slow climb until we get to that last signing day in February. And then boom, it's swag basketball tournament. Boom, it's it's it's, it's uh, spring practice, and then boom, we're back in Birmingham for media day. And then next thing you know, man, August twenty seventh is sitting right there uh, in your face with Alabama State and Howard. And that big and that next weekend, you got the big one that people are already talking about. Talking about tickets are already on sale and they're moving. The two thousand twenty two Orange Blossom Classic, Florida A and M, the Rattlers. And Jackson State, ooh, that was going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a lot of hype uh, for that game. And I think it's going to be hype for the next eight months uh, until we oh, get there. Man. 
Man, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it, it's not going to get much better than this. Like you said, you know, being a football guru like you are, you have plenty of content. People think it's just shutting down. No, it's just getting started. The offseason right. is going to give you plenty of things to talk about. And the way that you light it up is perfect. When you talk about Larry Scott and what he's doing at Howard, bringing a lot of that tradition back, they played really well. Uh, mm-hmm. People that really pay attention to that type of things, and you make sure people understand. What he's gonna have that football team for how really in the game. Then you have Eddie Robinson with Alabama State, always a talented, rich area team. Can they add a little more talent? Obviously, they got the flip the player themselves coming out of Mississippi running back. Um, and so he's gonna bring some new energy, some new excitement, um, obviously some talent evaluation in there. They keep the, the defensive coordinator, and we told everybody that listened that Alabama State had a really solid defense. Um, people overlooked them because they had a lot of trouble on offense. So it's not like they're that far behind. So that's going to be a big game. It's going to give one of those teams a lot of confidence. It's going to give you, obviously, one of the conference some bragging rights. And then, like you said, you turn the corner, uh, you have the uh, Labor Day Classic. I'll sneak that in there in terms of what that looks like on the west side, uh, mm-hmm. with obviously will be a new Prairie View team with a new head coach. What does that mean? We're still trying to figure that out. Uh, um, and going up against Texas Southern with the freshman that turns into sophomore booty and what he's going to do body in terms of his maturation with Kenley seeing if Texas Southern can turn that corner, how far are they away? We can see that they can put a point. So the game should be exciting if nothing else on that side, but can they add a defense to it? If they do that, they're going to feel that they have a right to say that they can make the next step. Uh, and then, like you said, you go to the East um, and while you may, <laughs> not say that there is a champion coming out of the East, as we can say there's arguments, possibly two teams, um, not to throw shade the South Carolina uh, State Bulldogs in terms of what they did with the MIAC, but the East dominated um, the MIAC and the SWAC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other than this last game, they dominated both conferences, or at least when I say the conference of SWAC, the Western Division. And then you have this matchup. And as you think about it, you lather this up. They've been going back and forth all year long, talking about, don't, don't you want to see his family, folks? Don't they want to play in the swag championship? They're trying to figure <laughs> out the swag alignment, folks giving them hell. They're like, man, don't worry about that. they like, no, we need to do this. Or oh, the playoffs are supposed to be better than that. So you have a lot of love to talk. And then you got this yeah. race between who's recruiting the best. You're going to have all this talk in February signing day. Then you're going to have spring football. And all this time, they're going to be selling tickets to the Orange Blossom Classic in Miami, another great city that folks go to. And, again, people are going to feel that whoever wins that game um, has a very good chance to not just win the SWAT conference, but to, because of that, meaning that they'll be in the celebration bowl, and most people would think they're probably going to be a favorite in that game, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that means. So, which means that game, game one, likely will have implications in terms of who's going to win the 2022 Black College National Championship. That's Absolutely. crazy. We right. essentially we, we won. won. <laughs> right. Fresh, hey, fresh out of the gate, Miami Gardens. And, 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 and looking back at it, man, it was like that this year, man. That game, we talked about, we talked about all summer about how important that ball game is. At one point, at uh, one point, um, is what decided that, that that ball game, and I think you're going to have um, a similar situation in 2022. 
Well, Doc, man, it's been a great season. Uh, last uh, show for the football season. We got some special stuff coming up for you, man, because you know I do recruiting. ABC. Always be recruiting. Uh, right. And we, we got some special stuff coming up for uh, uh, re- recruiting, uh, getting ready to come up. Uh, for the year, I want to give a shout-out to my man Roy back in the home studio, pressing all the buttons, making the stuff happen, A.D. Drew. Uh, special shout-out to Dr. Uh, Kenyatta Cavill. Uh, Doc saw something in me that maybe I didn't see. So, man, man, shout-out to Doc uh, for breaking me on board, man, and um, I, I was a little nervous at first, a little hesitant. Uh, but man, when people invest in you, uh, that you know, uh, when people invest in you, invest time and everything in you, man, it means they see something. So, man, I want to give you uh, uh, my sincerest uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Cavill, for that, man. It really means a lot, and it's a pleasure to work with someone of your stature uh, on the on a daily basis, man. So, shout to you, Charles, AD Drew. Uh, everybody I see that. I received that, brother. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. No, no problem. Really no problem. But but I will say this as you start to close up. Um, you deserve that. You put the work in, you've showed your talents. So it was my point of reference and what if I believe anything that I stand on, it was my responsibility to make sure that you had the opportunity to do more and see more. And what you can, and you paying it back dividends over and over. So I appreciate what you're doing and reflecting on that. Not just saying that, but putting it into action. Oh, man, I appreciate that, Doc. I appreciate it, man. It means a lot, man. I just want to thank everybody uh, that has tuned in over the course of the season, man. I feel like it was just yesterday, man. I was sitting in the studio. We were doing this, getting ready for all corn and North Carolina Central. And you bat an eye, and the season is already done. Uh, you'll see me at some spots. Man, I ain't going nowhere too far, man. You see me in some spots. Uh, and I'm going to hit you with a little bit, man, give you a little taste until we get ready to jump this thing uh, back off. We go uh, go hit the spring season uh, hard when we get into, you know, spring practices. You'll really see me around. Uh, we start getting close to media day, uh, which is really the official start of the season. Uh, here for us, man, we start hitting football. And then, man, 2022, man, we're back. And we're going to be better than ever. I'm looking at everything that we did this year. I'm going to be watching it like game film. I'm going to be critiquing myself, man, picking apart my weaknesses and strengthening the strengths. And I promise you, in 2020, 2022, man, we're going to be back uh, better than ever. Man, that is me for tonight, man. I am BJ Jones. Special shout-out to Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. Special shout-out to Doug Stewart. Uh, two live students for coming on. That was a, a treat within itself. Uh, shout out to Roy back home making it happen. And I appreciate you guys, man. Make sure man, you tell a friend, share it. Uh, that Sundays, man, we go inside HBCU football. I'll see you guys uh, soon. I'll see you guys soon. We'll hit the recruiting edge uh, pretty hard, man. We got an announcement coming. Uh, Roy, I'll tell you guys about. But like I said, man, we will see you guys soon. And this is BJ Jones, man. We signing out for the 2022 and for the 2021 football season. 2022, here we come. Good night, y'all. <laughs> it's a bad man. <laughs>